the Jeep Wrangler 4xe. It's electrified. So you can boogie woogie woogie up a mountain, over creeks, or boogie woogie woogie through a desert where you get bit by a pit viper. So you boogie woogie woogie back to camp and ask your friends if they'll suck the snake venom out. When they say no, you boogie woogie woogie to the nearest hospital for a dose of anti-venom and boogie woogie woogie your way to a full recovery. The electrified Jeep Wrangler 4xe. Learn more at jeep.com. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. I've confronted hundreds of men over two decades. I have been in television for 24 years. I just came to get something to eat. And I have very seldom been at a loss for words. Sir, I just came to get something to eat. Men online looking for children to sexually assault. What's the motive here? It's, Explain it to me. I'm no, not you're right. No, you're right. It's stupid. It's, it's not. It's an no. illegal thing. Yeah, I know. I did a stupid thing. Men from all walks of life. A doctor. A teacher. A clergyman. You sent pornographic pictures through the mail. Okay, that's a federal offense right there. You know I'm in trouble, and I know I'm in trouble. I tried to get into their heads and understand why. Me too, we have tonight. Uh, I, I want to know who you are. I want to know a little bit more about you first. Can I eat first? Sure, go ahead. Let's see if any of this sounds familiar while you enjoy your pizza. And ultimately, make sure they face justice. You ask her if she's a virgin. I ask everybody all kinds of stuff. It's just talk. You ask her if she's horny. What's wrong with that? You ask if she does anal. It's a question. Question. Who are they? Have they tried to prey on other children? And where are they now? These are the predators I've caught. I'm Chris Hansen. There's a part of me that feels like the To Catch a Predator investigation we did in Murphy, Texas, just outside Dallas, took place a lifetime ago. Yet there's another part of me that feels like it was just a month ago. You know, oftentimes on my walk over to the studio, I ponder these things, how I feel about the investigations, the predators who surfaced in them, and it brings it all back home, whether it was 17 years ago or a few months ago. Such is the case in Murphy, Texas. There are a number of predators who surfaced there who are of great interest to the people who follow the predator investigations. One of them, without a doubt, is a man named Stanley Kendall a teacher, one of the oldest predators at the time at 54. And so it is that Stanley Kendall is the focus of this episode of my podcast, Predators I've Caught. Murphy, Texas is a bedroom community of Dallas, a small to medium-sized police department, and it was on our list of potential places to conduct a predator investigation. At the time, back in around November of 2006, we had a number of potential sites. Michigan was on the list. We had been in contact with the attorney general's office there. And we had been talking to people in New Jersey, more investigations potentially in California. But we thought 
Murphy, Texas was a good spot. We had not done an investigation in Texas before. Perverted Justice, the online watchdog group with which we worked on these investigations, had worked with Murphy in the past, had a relationship with the chief, Billy Myrick Jr., and the chief staff. Very professional department. Uh, I'll get into some of that later. Murphy is somewhat infamous because that's the investigation in which an assistant district attorney by the name of William Conrad Jr. surfaced attempting to chat with a young teen boy. A sexually charged conversation took place. Conrad never showed up at the house, but in the eyes of law enforcement, he had broken the law. And so they went to go arrest him at his home. And he's the assistant DA who committed suicide. And we'll get into that in a future episode. There's so much to it and so many dynamics. And, and it's, it's, it's a very compelling story and a disturbing story in, in many ways. That could actually be two episodes, but that's, that's something for a little further down the road. This episode will focus on Stanley Kendall. As I mentioned, Kendall was a disturbing story in and of himself. 54 years old, a teacher, 6th, 7th, 8th grade math, said in the interview with me that he was a, an excellent teacher. We'll get into that in just a minute. So Murphy, Texas, as I said, is a small bedroom community. When we got on the scene and set up, it was a little, I don't know, uncomfortable at first. There were some neighbors who got wind, a local politician had got wind that the police department was doing this investigation. There were some protests that all quieted down. And and ultimately, it was among the most successful predator investigations that we had ever done. 25 men surfaced in the Murphy investigation over a period of four days. The home was in an upper middle class neighborhood, very nice, well-constructed. And it didn't take long before guys started showing up. And as I recall, we had a number of fast movers in Murphy, and Stanley Kendall was one of them. He was in a chat room, and he approached someone who identified themselves as a 13-year-old boy. And when I say fast mover, I mean fast mover. Listen to the transcripts. Kendall goes online by the screen name Stanimac12. Our decoy identifies himself as Fallout Boy, D-O-I-93. Stanley starts off by saying, hi, yo, sup? Nothing. What about you? Are you up? Okay, I'm bored. And it continues pretty quickly. Stanimac12 says, want something to do? Boy says, I don't know. What are you thinking? I would like to play if possible. Play like what? And this is like minutes into the conversation at about nine o'clock in the evening. And Kendall jumps right in, makes no mystery out of what he wants to do with this 13-year-old boy. I love to suck cock, play and suck balls, play with and lick nipples, and lick and fuck ass. And you? Now, imagine saying that to someone you thought was a 13-year-old boy. I can't, obviously, but... You know, the decoy responds, OMG, oh my God, I never have done anything yet. Would you like to, says Kendall? I don't know. 
I mean, you probably won't like me. I like younger guys, Kendall says, to play with. Do you want a player try? And the decoy is open to the suggestion now that it's been introduced. I'm 13, though. Is that cool with you? So he reiterates the fact that he's 13. Kendall says, as long as you don't call the police. Do you have pics? Yeah, I do. They're in my profile. Do you? Yes. So Kendall ramps this up pretty quickly. Sends a picture of his genitals. And asks for a similar picture from the 13-year-old boy. Decoy says, OMG, it's your dick? Kendall, do you like it? Is it yours? It's cool, says the decoy. Yes, who else's? Says Kendall. I haven't seen a lot of those. It's hot. LOL, I don't know. Do you want to play with it? And this continues for a few more minutes and gets even more graphic than that. And all of a sudden, a few hours later, Kendall comes knocking on the door of our home in Murphy, Texas. In this particular investigation, we had a male and female decoy on site, different than those who actually had the online conversations. Those decoys uh, work with perverted justice. But in this particular case, we had a a young man who was very talented. He fit the role perfectly. Is very theatric. And his name, at least for the purposes of the investigation, was Dan. And so Kendall drives up after getting directions over the phone. Okay, he should be making the turn on Westminster and on to High Point. Later, they found printed directions in his car. I'll run down and I'll meet you at the door. And he comes walking up to the front door. Dan, the decoy, is there and asks him a series of questions. And it's, it's, I can talk about it, but listen to exactly how this starts off because it's interesting Kendall doesn't seem all that nervous. A little bit sneaky, but not all that nervous. How you doing, Stanley? Doing good? Tough drive? A little bit. Stanley Kendall comes in, sits down at the bar that we had set up in the living room, family room area. There was a pool table and the bar was right there. And, and Decoy Dan has a short conversation with him at the table. Hey, let me get you a drink. You thirsty? No? Can I pour one for myself? That's fine. Mind? No? All right. So what do you think we should start with? What are you thinking? I don't know. It's up to you. And it was at least in my gut time to walk in and, and confront him. I think we had a, a number of other potential predators scheduled to arrive that evening, and Dan had pretty much had all the conversation that could be had with Stanley Kendall. So I walk in. And he's startled, but not crazed. What's the uh, lesson plan for tonight? Oops. Sorry for what? I thought I thought this was a joke. You thought what was a joke? Well, I should have known better. And I start asking him questions about, you know, what he was doing there. What did you think it was? Truly, truly, a setup. And why would somebody try to do a setup? To catch people that shouldn't be talking to teenagers. People like you. Definitely. And he maintained that, you know, he wasn't going to have sex with this boy with whom he was talking online. Or decoy posing as a boy he was talking to online. 
And, and I started to ask him what he did for a living. I teach math. And he says right away, he's a teacher. And I knew this, of course, we had done the background on him. Math teacher and like some other math teachers and tutors we found in our investigations, his story just didn't add up. You can get a sense of it by listening to it. And what grade do you teach? Sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. So you teach kids who are about the same age as the boy you thought you were going to visit tonight. Yes. Kendall's back and forth in his discussion with me as to whether or not he thought it was a joke, whether or not he thought it was a setup. But he did admit that he thought it was some sort of way to catch people trying to reach out to children for inappropriate sexual contact. And there's no getting around these transcripts. Uh, They're very graphic, as you heard. And I read some back to him, and he stays pretty calm. He's kind of a schlumpy guy dressed in a windbreaker sweater, shirt underneath, some glasses that look like they came from the 1970s. And He does admit at some point that he's a teacher, and he says he's been an excellent teacher for some 23 years. And why should I believe it? Because I've successfully taught school for 23 years. And seems to know that this evening could spell the end of that career. And I asked him the obvious question. If you're willing to have a conversation like this and come visit a 13-year-old boy, what have you been doing with students? Definitely not this. And then he throws down the religious card. He was just going to do the right Christian thing by showing the boy the error of his ways. And at this point, I, I'm, you know, obviously trying to get to the truth, but but I'm offended, right? I've read the transcripts. I know that, you know, this guy just didn't wake up on this particular evening and decide that he was going to have a sexually charged conversation with... 13-year-old boy or someone he thought was a 13-year-old boy for the very first time. you got to believe that this has happened before. The way it went down. The way he was so comfortable in the chat. The specifics he cited in terms of what he wanted to do. The, the actual acts. And so I, I start to get a little exasperated. I said, you know, wait a minute. You're, you're talking about religion here? This? About what you wanted to do with a 13-year-old boy? Where is that in the Bible? New Testament, Old Testament, you tell me. And he gets a little flustered, but listen to what he says. Listen to the exchange. The part of me that's Christian was going to talk him out of it. So what part of the the Bible tells you to say all this kind of stuff here in the chat? I'd love to suck play and suck play with nipples and licking and you? Where is that in the Bible? Explain that to me. There's a human part. Is that the Old Testament or the New Testament? Neither. Kendall, as it turns out, has four children of his own. He's divorced. Later, we would find out that he figured out later in life he was gay, which, again, has nothing to do with targeting a 13-year-old kid. But he said he hadn't talked to his kids in quite some time, and I said... As a parent, would you be okay with a 54-year-old man coming to visit a 13-year-old kid? Of course not. I I honestly didn't think he was 13, and I thought about driving away when I saw him at the door. Even if he didn't walk into the house, he still would have been arrested by the Murphy police. The solicitation took place online, the graphic conversation, agreeing to meet, and all that. 
The interesting thing about the Murphy, Texas investigation is that we started to worry that maybe no one would show up. It was election season in Texas, November. And there were a number of people running for district attorney. I think the attorney general's race was up, maybe the governor. And partially because of our to catch a predator investigations and so much other attention and other media being focused on online predators, it was a big issue in this campaign. And there was literally, I remember a commercial, a campaign commercial, where a guy, an actor, was in a darkened bedroom on a computer, you know, apparently talking to somebody who was underage. And, and the, the candidate running for office was promoting the fact that he or she was very much against computer predators and they were going to do everything in their power if elected or re-elected to go after online predators and they drag the guy off uh, in handcuffs. And so I'm wondering, will this have an impact on our investigation here? Well, it turns out it did not. Uh, Kendall was only one of 25 people who showed up in the investigation. More about this predator I've caught in a moment. Anyway, Kendall leaves after I finish my questioning, and he walks out the front door. Police department, get on the ground! Get on the ground! Get on the ground! Get on your back! He complies. He's arrested. And you see him along the way and hear him along the way talk about, again, being a teacher and perhaps his career being over. I don't want to lose my job. I'm an excellent teacher, and I just... My principal's going to be so shocked. Kendall is booked, jailed, bail is set. He appears in court. This is a second-degree felony. I've set your bail at $50,000. And he's in jail for a number of days before he finally gets out. And this is the really tragic part of the Murphy investigation. There are a couple tragic parts, but the one of them is that the district attorney in this particular part of Texas was in a political dispute with the police department in Murphy. And we had had meetings going into the investigation. They didn't like the fact that perverted justice, the DA's office didn't like the fact that perverted justice was involved here. And did not fully commit itself to prosecuting the cases should there be arrests in this particular sting operation. Basically, what the DA's office had said was, we would take them on a case-by-case basis. Now, we know from the transcripts, from the investigation, that these were prosecutable cases. But after the fact, this became very controversial, obviously because of the William Conrad Jr. suicide after he surfaced in the investigation. And the DA, whose jurisdiction this was, decided to not prosecute any of the cases. But if you take a look at Kendall's behavior after his arrest, you're going to, I think, come to the conclusion that not only could he have been prosecuted with the others, he should have been prosecuted One of the other predators caught in this investigation went on to offend again and was prosecuted. In Texas, Kendall not only resigned from the school district he worked there in Dallas, but he also gave up his 
teacher's license. He lost his teacher's license. But that didn't stop him from moving up to Indiana and becoming a substitute teacher for years until around 2014 when somebody in the community, by this time Kendall is 61 years old, somebody recognized him because he had grown up in the area and again was substitute teaching there. Somebody recognized him, a viewer, who saw the To Catch a Predator program and put two and two together and contacted the school district and reported this. And the school district did some investigating and figured out that that's Stanley Kendall working in their district, substitute teaching, was the same one who surfaced in our investigation seven years earlier in Murphy, Texas. So for seven years, Stanley Kendall is able to substitute teach in Indiana. And we don't know if he had any inappropriate contact with students. But we do know it caused quite a stir in Indiana and across the country. USA Today Networks and newspaper did a big investigation and found that the patchwork system at the time of checking teachers' backgrounds was more than inadequate. In other words, there was no way to cross-reference why Stanley Kendall lost his license in Texas, his teaching license. And there were no red flags in the system in Indiana. All they knew was that for 23 years, prior to moving back to Indiana, Kendall had been a teacher and had, according to the system, an unblemished record. So Kendall teaches as much as he wants as a substitute. Once this became public in Indiana in 2014, it caused a shakeup and a review of all security measures in place to check teachers' backgrounds. The reality is there was nothing in the record for the database to pick up on because the DA in Texas didn't prosecute Kendall's case or the others. And I think that's really atrocious looking back. I mean, I deal with district attorneys all the time. They truly, in most cases, want to do the right thing. They want to pursue bad guys, predators, and pursue justice. But in this case, in Texas, it just became political. And this particular prosecutor had a really difficult time getting his arms around prosecuting cases from an investigation in which an assistant DA took his own life. Now, again, and we'll get into this in another episode, but the William Conrad Jr. case was way more complicated than him just surfacing in an investigation trying to solicit a 13-year-old boy. When the Texas Rangers went through Conrad's computer later, and again, this will be the topic of a future episode, they found child porn. And as an assistant district attorney, Conrad knew that he would face in Texas up to 10 years per image. And there were at least 10 images confirmed to me by the Texas Rangers of child pornography on his computer. Again, that's the topic of a different episode. Back to Stanley Kendall. So he's teaching, it gets noticed that he was also caught seven years earlier in the To Catch a Predator investigation in Texas. And they fire him. He's not allowed to be a teacher anymore. But that's not the end of the story here because In the TCAP, 
to catch a predator community, Kendall became famous, iconic, for a lot of weird and twisted reasons. Members of the TCAP community would actually catfish him and contact him and set up scenarios where men would be open to the idea of a sexual relationship. And then the notion of a underaged son or grandson would be introduced. And Kendall jumped right on this. I mean, he talked about grandpa's going to do this to you and grandpa's going to do that to you. And it's very graphic. And he sends pictures and there's masturbation and all kinds of role playing. And it's just, it's really, really tough to listen to. I'm going to give you a sample of it just so you know what I'm talking about here. But it was even difficult for me to listen to all this. I mean, we knew what he did. We knew that he escaped justice the first time. And ultimately, he paid a price by not being able to substitute teach. But this is a bad guy. I mean, a real bad guy who was willing to rape a 13-year-old boy. And he continued this activity. No remorse, no therapy, just vile, grotesque, and criminal behavior online. But here's a sample of what he said to some of the people who were catfishing him, talking about the sexual acts that he wanted to engage in with a minor. I like to have my nipples sucked. Really? I'll have to suck on yours, see if you like it. Whoa, you really want to do that? Well, I might even want to lick your ass, too. Whoa, I've never had that done before. I'm freaking you out, I better shut up. Have you got a hard-on? Yeah. So you want me to suck on that hard-on and play with your balls? How old are you? 64. Old enough to be your grandfather. Kendall also, at the suggestion of some of the people who were catfishing him, did some grotesque things, bodily functions, feces, urine. Again, that's on YouTube. Uh, it doesn't take much to find it. But it's it's really sad and, and tragic that a human being could stoop this low. And he knew that people knew that he had been caught in the TCAP investigation, didn't face the legal consequences he should have faced. And ultimately, Kendall got sick and died at the age of 64 in Indiana. He had been living in Warsaw, Indiana. He was actually being treated uh, at a hospital in Fort Wayne. 64 years old in the obituary. It says nothing about his activity online or being busted in the To Catch a Predator investigation. Let me read you something from the obituary. He was born on July 15th, 1952 in Rochester, Indiana. He had lived in Warsaw, Indiana since 2013. Coming from Dallas, Texas, he grew up in Argos, Indiana. Stanley was a retired math teacher and had worked for several schools in Texas. He was a member of the Lake City Lions Club in Warsaw. Graduated from Argos High School in 1970. He then went to Bethel College where he got a bachelor's in elementary education. Says he's survived by his sister, 
her husband, and a brother. No mention of his children or his ex-wife. The conversations that Stanley Kendall had with our decoy and others were without question graphic, in many cases illegal, and certainly disturbing. What continues to haunt me about this case is that if he had been successfully prosecuted in Texas back in 2006-2007, Kendall could have received not only the appropriate punishment that he deserved, he might have received some sort of help. Maybe he could have taught prisoners, other inmates. Maybe he could have gotten therapy. Maybe he could have figured out how to control his urges. Maybe he would have been scared straight. Or maybe he would have gotten out, reoffended, and served more prison time. But either way, had he been successfully prosecuted, his name would be on the sex offender registry. And a lot of this could have been avoided in the years after his initial arrest. He wouldn't have been teaching in Indiana with children around the same age as the decoy he wanted to rape in Texas. And he might have even become a productive member of society again. Now, I understand from a prosecutorial standpoint that these cases can be challenging. When the media is involved, when an online watchdog group is involved. But the truth is, these cases are successfully prosecuted all the time. Aside from the Murphy, Texas investigation, there are only two or three cases where police, law enforcement, a sheriff's department were involved, a task force maybe, in the investigations we've conducted where there have not been successful prosecutions. We're almost batting a thousand here, except for Murphy, Texas. So this notion that the DA couldn't have prosecuted is is nonsense. And he and I went back and forth at the time. He had made some comments to Esquire magazine that did a very critical article of the, the Predator franchise in general, and specifically the Murphy, Texas investigation. It was a shoddy piece of work, and people are going to take shots at you when you do this kind of work, and I understand that. What disturbs me about the Stanley Kendall case is how someone could be a teacher for 23 years and yet have this sordid secret life online. And it makes me wonder how many other Stanley Kendalls are out there, especially in positions of authority over kids. I hope it's not many, but I suspect. The number is way higher than we believe or should tolerate. So how do you fix the problem? That's a topic for another episode entirely, several episodes entirely. And we'll address that with some therapists and perhaps some people who work with offenders in the prison system. The Legacy of Stanley Kendall. The teacher in Texas who got caught. What really haunts me, though, is that if he didn't show up in that investigation, what would he have done? 
who else would he have approached online? And what crimes would he have ultimately committed without being detected? If you want to reach out to me, you can do so at chris at predatorpodcast.com. On Instagram, I'm official Chris Hansen. On Twitter, at Chris Hansen. I'm also on Cameo. Let me know what you think of this podcast and all the others, and if you have any ideas for future episodes. In the meantime, you know where I'll be. I'm Chris Hansen, and this has been Predators I've Caught.